Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen. We are once again live down here in the Bear Cage Studios for another episode of the Sports Frenzy Podcast, Sold Out. With me, your host, Freddy Loso, with my co-host, The Devil's Advocate. So today, you got a couple of birthdays I want to bring up. Uh, the first one is Otto Wants. And for those of you not familiar with Otto Wants, uh, he was the owner of the Catch Wrestling Association, which uh, Vader was listed as one of the champions uh, several times. He also is a former AWA champion, and the rumor is he spent $500,000 to be champion for 41 days. He paid off Vern Gagne. And um, the other thing he's known for, is one of the few men that body slammed Andre the Giant. If you go on YouTube and look up the men that body slammed Andre the Giant, there's like a list of maybe 10, and he's on that list. So he's a you know pretty interesting character if you get time to read his Wikipedia page. Uh, also today we have Sean Waltman, otherwise known as X-Pac. And you guys know who the Necro Butcher is, right? Did anybody see The Wrestler? Yes. Yes. He was... He was uh, the famous opponent of, of um, what's his name? I, I Nicholas Cage keeps going in my head, but that's not the right name. It's uh, what's his no, name? The Ram. Yeah, Randy the Ram. Yeah, him. <laughs> so that's who he'll be forever. Yep. Okay. And with our other co-host, the good Reverend himself, Jason Todd. Yeah, and uh, this week. Back in 1986, the late, great Bruno San Martino. He's easy for me to say. Um, he wrestled his last match at the Madison Square Garden. Uh, in it, he teamed up with the intercontinental champion Tito Santana to defeat Macho Man Randy Savage and Adrian Adonis inside a steel cage. Rather fitting. Adrian Adonis. He just had his episode of uh, Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah. Mickey Rourke was the name I was looking for. I Mickey just thought Rourke, of it. That's who it was. I'm, I'm getting old. This is what happens. Iron Man 3, if I'm not mistaken. Though. Two. There you go. Two. Iron two. Man 2. Yes. Oops, so All right. This week, we're going to continue our series on SummerSlam. I got it right this week. I didn't mess it up like last week. <laughs> summer series. Summer series. The summer fest. You should have summer called it fest. something different every week. That would have been right. funny. <laughs> well, let's see what happens next week. We, we got some time. We got some time before we the encyclopedia comes back. Um, but Jason, Reverend, yeah, bring us in. Um, so I'm gonna. I guess we were in the '80s last time. I'm gonna bring us up to 2002, and this is the first live pay-per-view I had a chance to go see. And so it's very special to me. And that makes it the first live pay-per-view match I ever had a chance to see in person. So SummerSlam 2002, Kurt Angle versus the recently debuted Rey Mysterio. And it's just a great match. And I think everybody, whoever saw it would enjoy it. That was a great show, though. That was the uh, Brock Lesnar Rock main event. The Brock Lesnar Rock main event. And the 
that some would argue was one of the greatest was the greatest SummerSlam match ever was Triple H Shawn Michaels in his return. So, interestingly enough, uh, the encyclopedia and I also attended this show. So, yeah, so, that's crazy. So, and I, I don't think we knew Jay. I know I didn't know Jason at that time, but I don't think uh, the encyclopedia did either. So, it's fascinating that. So, Freddie, I don't know what the hell happened to you. I don't know why you weren't there. That's just, that's on you. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, 2002. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was you possibly had to do, right? I was, what other I was commitments could you have? <laughs> so I wasn't even in the country. So, Shame. so a little history on the match: um, Rey Mysterio defeated Chavo Guerrero on his SmackDown debut, and then a few weeks later, uh, the team of Mysterio, Edge, and John Cena beat Benoit, Guerrero, and Kurt Angle, and Mysterio actually got the pin over Angle. And then Kurt Angle, in turn, insulted Mysterio, and challenged him to a match at SummerSlam or Rey Mysterio challenged Angle to a match at SummerSlam. Angle accepted and then they uh, took turns interfering in matches in each other's matches to kind of set the stage. So that's where we are right now. So Jason, where are we on the uh, pay-per-view and kick us off whenever you're ready. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so on the Peacock Network, if you have it, the Peacock app, you have it, go to SummerSlam Season 15, episode one. And like I said, it's kicking off the show. So it's at one minute and three seconds. Second, cue that up. Is everybody feeling ready? I'm ready. Do it. Right. <clears throat> I'm going to count it down from three and go ahead and hit play once I say play. So three, two, one play. I was telling uh, Freddie before you came on that uh, I had gotten to the show a little late, and as I was coming through the doors, we heard Kurt Angle's music, and we bolted to our seats. Because yep. it took forever to get to the Nassau Coliseum. It, it was a horrible place to see concerts and wrestling events. It was hard to get to. The parking was terrible. It was an awful building. It's, you guys got in a few minutes before me because it was not, it was also not easy getting in in general. So I got in to see my favorite spot of the match, actually. So you missed the beginning, too. I missed the opening of the match. So, hey, it was still worth it. And it's watching it back anytime, it's still just so much fun. I don't know if you guys saw. Before they started the match, they showed WWE Times Square. Yes. I'm like, wow. That's a, that's a throwback right there. My friend had a birthday party there. And really? As a matter of fact, I think... Can you guys see that? Yes, yes, yes. Nice. WWF New York Coaster I'm holding in my hand. Wow. I want to wash your hands after that. <laughs> <laughs> because where I've been or where it's been. <laughs> I'm just saying, it looks like it's been around a bit. It looks like it's been around. This this is such, I mean, this thing went. This was a perfect match to start a show. Yeah. Perfect match. 
And it just shows the greatness of Kurt Angle that he could run with in one match, completely run with Rey Mysterio in another match, run with Triple H another match with uh, the big show and have credible matches with them all. Like he was, he's one of those guys, like he really should be in the conversation of one of the best of all time. If he's not in anybody's conversation for it, I don't want to hear what they have to say. And I mean, equally, I mean, not, not the greatest face in my opinion, but an an amazing heel. Great. I would agree as well. Yeah. On the mic, he was solid as well. And yeah, he could switch between comedic and serious. Yeah. Ease. And you know, I don't want to undersell him here. We're catching, this is catching Ray Mysterio when he's still at his peak physically. Right. They, they brought him in, they brought him in at just the right time. Well, I mean, he didn't, this was he his debut. Uh, this wasn't his debut match. He's been in for about a month, I think, by this point. This is his first pay per view match, though. Yeah. But this, he's been on SmackDown for a little while at this point. I was going to say, I didn't realize he had the, uh, the back tattoo in WCW. He might not have. Might have been something he got. Before he came in, right? Yeah, because he was one of the people who didn't, I guess, uh, get bought out. Did you ever? Did you guys ever catch his matches with Psychosis in oh, ECW? God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, holy crap! Some of the greatest matches of all time. Yeah. Him, Psychosis, Malenko, Guerrero. Yeah, I mean ECW. He had some solid matches with. With Hoovy as well. Yes. Uh-huh. I did want to go back and watch his and Eddie's um, was it Hidden Treasures or whatever that show on A and E is. Oh, is there was one for them this season? There yes, there was one for them, and it looked really good. I believe uh, they had the mask that Eddie ripped off. And, That's uh, cool. Mick Foley was saying there was only three people that held that mask, and he was one of them because he was holding it at that So the last person to hold it was Eddie. I was like, hey, while you brought this up, um, not right now, but later on, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, – did you guys see the – uh, most wanted treasures with Medusa. Yes, I saw. I saw the start of it. I didn't get to finish it. All right, I, I will come back to that. I want to talk about that for a minute. I want to hear about this. It seemed felt like it should be a controversial episode for some. It was. Yeah, it was. The start of it was pretty good. Oh, it gets worse if you didn't watch it. It's, it's it gets worse. Oh, yeah, man, I gotta, I gotta we'll, it we'll come back to that. I feel like there wasn't a bad seat in this arena. I had gone and seen uh, a couple of hockey games there, and at the new the new Nassau Coliseum, once they renovated it, I did get to get the media pass for PFL. It was actually pretty nice. 
think you're right. Because I, I remember it was just as good from when I entered the arena, the view, from when I got all the way up to my seat, which yeah. should have felt like a nosebleed, but did not in the least. Right. Yeah. I'll be honest with you, I can't remember where I sat. angle with the uh, red, white, and blue. Almost looking like a candy cane. It's nice. Maybe. Or a candy striper, yes. The candy striper, yeah. There you yes. <laughs> That's the right terminology. Hey, you candy cane nurse. Get over here. <laughs> Change my bedpan. Or whatever. Yeah. You ask them for right. it. It's a 19... 1950s, you sound like we're <laughs> You know, I I appreciate how they started off this match so fast and then were able to completely change the pace. Yeah. And then now you're getting these short bursts. Yeah. Well, Kurt Angle is, is methodical, right? And Ray is... A high flyer. So I mean, it's it's a contrast in styles that that shouldn't work, and yet somehow it does. It does, yeah. Because they're both so good. Right. I I think it comes down to that talent, and then they had so much talent. It just, I mean, chemistry was there. Yeah. Who didn't Kurt Angle have chemistry? If you didn't have a good match with Kurt Angle, it was your fault. Who was the, the other thing I can't get over is... What's that? Smackdown? The guy he beat the shit out of? That came from the Daniel Pewter? There you go. That's who didn't <laughs> have a good match with Kurt Angle. <laughs> i tell you what I can't get over is... This is uh, it. This is when I walked into the arena. Oh, geez, you missed a lot. <laughs> no, that's what I came in to see, though. And I was like, oh, I got to go home and watch this match again. <laughs> I can't get over how big Angle is. Like, over the years, how much weight he lost. Like, muscle yeah, mass from being injured. Like, he's jacked. Yeah, he's jacked here. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's huge. I'm loving the old school Giants and Jets jerseys in the crowd. Oh, yeah. So, like, a Wayne Cabret, Ziggy Barber, Jeremy Shockey. Look at the photographers close, so close to the ring, too. They don't do that anymore. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I didn't even, I'm looking at, I'm like looking at it now, and I'm like, damn, look at all these photographers. I was going to say, when was the that? last time you saw a photographer by the ring? I can't even remember. This crowd seems pretty excited. Yeah, I mean, even if they didn't want to be, there's no way like, yeah. they can't sleep through this match. When was the last time WWE ran a a pay per view, pay -per -view at 
It's been years, right? Was this the last one? Can't be. Like, it seems like it's been a while. See now, if Encyclopedia was here, he'd tell us exactly where he was. When he took what his he bathroom had, break. What, what he had to eat. Was. Right. Yeah. What shirt he bought. Um, you know, when he swift shifted his late from weight from his left foot to his right foot, we would have it. We would know the whole story. It's like we'd be there. Right. Come back soon, Encyclopedia. Come Jeez, on Jason, back. you picked a short match. <laughs> <laughs> It's over already. <laughs> and there, there you go. You can, pick, you can pick almost any of the others off this show to follow up with. But yeah, it's a, it's a short match, but it's it's got a lot, man. But yeah, like, the big the big winged belt in the yeah. crowd. That's one of my favorites. So this was really, um, I guess, well into the advent of the SmackDown Six era. Yeah. I mean, it's rather fitting that they have the the SmackDown stage, basically for years. Yeah. For this pay-per-view. They just shifted the screen from the right side to the left. Side. <laughs> basically. <laughs> But yeah, so that's that's Jason's match on our Summer Slam Series Fest extravaganza. <laughs> so, Rob, you mentioned it before, Medusa's Hidden Treasures. What did you think of it? Well, let me uh, let me fill Jason a little bit. So. The the what they were looking for, as you would imagine, is the WWF women's title belt. Naturally. Right. So they sent cuddly cuddly bear McFoley to Medusa's home to come get it. Because they were friends. And right. Well were friends. Yeah, were. And what they went into the history of how they were all saying how angry they were at her for doing what she did. And everybody, I don't think I need to go into what she did, right? She threw the belt in the garbage. Mm -hmm. So she, um, she went through her history, basically, how she went to the Hall of Fame and, you know, met with Vince McMahon and they kind of made up and, you know, were in, and she thought they were in a good place. And she made the claim that she offered to give them the belt back free of charge. And they didn't take it. And she seemed quite bitter. Like, I think, I don't know if she meant to come off this way or if the way it was shot, but she came off really bitter. So now Mick comes and says, you know, I want to see the belt. And, you know, we're kind of figuring out what it's worth. And, you know, we want to, you know, we, uh, you know, the object of the show is to get it back, right? And bring it back home, so to speak. 
Right. Yes. <laughs> right. Exactly. And her <laughs> put it in a warehouse somewhere where no one will ever see it. Sure. Um, and her thing was, I tried to give it to them for free and they wouldn't take it. Now they're going to pay for it. And you're like, okay. I mean, so, Fair you know, <laughs> they value the belt at between 40 and $50,000. That's what it said on the show, which I, to me, yeah. I think is high. But, you know, they're, 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 they're um, touting its its history making, you know, uh, capability and you know how, where where it landed in in WWE lore. And then Mick said to her, "Well, you know, how much do you want?" And she said, "I want a hundred thousand dollars." So wait, wait. So Mick said, "Well, what about if we borrow it? Like, what if you lend it to us?" And she said it's a hundred thousand dollars either way. You're either buying it for a hundred grand or you're borrowing it for a hundred grand, but that's what I want. And Mick was like, I don't have anywhere near that kind of authority. Um, not even close. You know, uh, he called back and they were like, Yeah, no, and they kind of hold they dropped it, like they moved right on to the next thing. So Yeah, they moved right on with Trish and Lita, yeah. They never like did a, like a recap at the end. Like she talked about it some more, and they're still negotiating. Yeah. It was just like drop. Guess we're never yeah. seeing that belt in our ma Trish imaginary Lita, museum. Trish and Lita kind of shitted on her on the way out. After it, oh, they were there too. That. Well, they were the ones. They yeah, were helping Nick about them. Yeah. because the other part of the episode was trying to get their outfit from when they were in WrestleMania. Okay. So I can't remember exactly what they said, but they definitely kind of was like, you know, yeah, like we don't need her. We don't need that. We'll we, we'll just pivot and do something and get our outfits. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like they never nice revisited little, it. Big. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting because for something so, like I, I don't know, I didn't know how to react to that because I'm like, she tried to give it back and they didn't take it. So did was this for the show? Was this all for just for the show? Because they knew she, you know, like I, I like it. It. Everyone, everyone else is always so, always so gracious, and they're always excited to give what right. they have, and like, and they're like, oh, you know, or you know, this was in my attic. I didn't even know I had it. Yada yada. This one came off like Medusa came off really bitter and unhappy, and you know. I don't. I don't like. I don't know who's going to give her a hundred grand for that belt. I don't think anybody ever will. Yeah, I think that was the between, point. Too. What happened between her last appearance on WWE television and that? That's what I'm curious about because she was on pretty recently this year. Yeah, she was in the. She was playing poker or something, right? Yeah. She was in a backstage segment, mm -hmm. and she even held the twenty four seven belt for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Not too long ago, and she sold it to Ted DiBiase. Right. I don't know. I just uh, I meant to bring this up, and I totally forgot. Um, but it, my favorite part of the whole thing was how they were just like, "Yeah, all right, well, we're moving on." <laughs> right. Yeah. And I mean, she's got the belt. She's got it as safe, you know. And, and like I, the hundred grand to me is definitely like fu money. Yeah, like if you want it, you're if you want it, you're paying for it, and that's just the way it's going to be. You don't have a choice. 
you know, it was almost like you're never going to like, you know what you, when you don't want to sell something, you put in an astronomical price on something. Yeah. Knowing they're not going to pay it. That's what she did. Five billion dollars. <laughs> That's what she should have done. Yeah, right. <laughs> I would like turn one million dollars. <laughs> And I mean, the other thing is, I mean, she did put a book out. They didn't promote it. They, you know, they, you know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. I don't know what her relationship is with WWE anymore. And I don't, you know, she doesn't. I don't think she does. She's really into her, uh, you know, her monster trucks and her and her speedboats and all that. I think she's kind of left wrestling behind. When I met her, she this was many years ago. She was in a doing a, you know, the convention circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think she even does those anymore. So, but I did read her book. Does that book come off angry as well? Yeah, there's definitely some. Yes, but I mean, I think, I think the one thing she uh, doesn't really realize is that she was ahead of her time, and she was never going to get the respect she deserved. She was doing, you know, kickboxing and, and and the other, there were are no other women. There was Mula, you know, like that kind of woman. And then there was her who, who was pretty and could really seriously kick your ass. There was what? Her, you know? Bertha Faye, and then the, the Asian chick with all the white uh, Yeah. Right, was that? Yeah, I mean, but I mean, they only brought them in to fight her. Like, they weren't like, right. you know what I mean? Like, there was, there was there was that gap There's of women's wrestling where there was nothing happening. And today, she was wrestling now, she'd be a superstar. Or maybe she, she wouldn't be. be. Maybe she would just be one another woman in the group because there are so many women out there who can do what she does. And she wasn't very at, good on the mic either, from what I remember. No, but they didn't give them a lot of mic time then. That's true. So she didn't really need to be, you know. They they just let the women wrestle. I mean, I don't ever really remember Sherry Martell doing interviews all that much as a wrestler. Right. You know, when she became a manager, it's different. But I don't know. I just thought uh, of all those, all, I, all the ones I've seen, and I haven't seen all of them, they're all like these little happy shows, and they're all really excited to give up what they're, you know, and they make trades right. and, you know, and... You know, like the one with uh, when Little Nate had to give up his his Ric Flair, you know, uh, robe, and he cried, and it was all very sentimental. And this one, she was just like, she just went, she just right, basically. gave them the, yeah. the double fingers and and not answered the door. They're like, shut those cameras off, get out of here. <laughs> the one that that I remember that was crazy was uh, Sonny Ono when he brought Big Show and Mark Henry, and they wanted to beat the shit out of him. Because he was like auctioning off the uh, Andre the Giant mask, and they were fucking heated, heated. I don't think I've ever seen that one. What yeah, was it? The, the strong, the, the the giant machine match uh, mask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they wanted. They were so, Mark Henry was pissed. If you, I really if you never thought Mark time, Henry ever check, got mad. Check that one out. Yeah, I'm gonna have to now because I, I Mark yeah. Henry seems like the like a the nicest guy you'll ever meet. 
he yeah. is. But if, he was like, you know what the thing is? He's such a devotee of yeah. that industry, of that business, and the That's history it of it. That yeah, because he was so like honored to even be holding the mask, he was like in tears. And then the way like Sonny Ono flipped it on him, he was oh, pissed. Big Show had to like kind of talk him back down, like tell him like that's that's who Sonny Ono he is. Like he should have given him the world's most powerful slam. Yeah. And it was like the middle of East Bumblefuck, Iowa, where Sonny Ono lived. It was so random. Lucky he ended up in the Hall of Pain. Right? Could it could have been it for him? <laughs> I like the idea of good cop, bad cop with Big Show and Mark Henry. And Mark Henry, yeah. <laughs> and Big Show's the good cop. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. Um, we have permission to ask moves. Ask yeah, I put that on there. Rob, give I us put that on there. Time. So let me let me uh, expand. Um, Kevin Owens asking Stone Cold Steve Austin permission to use the stunner. Um, Lacey Evans not asking permission to use the Cobra clutch. Since when do you have to ask permission? I guess my question is, why in some cases do you ask? Why in some cases do you not? Is Does it depend on the person? Does it depend on the move? Like, why did Kevin Owens feel like he had to go ask? Why didn't he ask Diamond Dallas Page? Why didn't he ask Johnny Ace? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't understand, like, um, you know, I can do a body slam. I don't need to go find the, the, the creator of the body slam and ask him for permission. But to do a, a specific move, I have to ask permission. And, like, the, the Cobra Clutch is the million-dollar dream. I don't remember Ted DiBiase going to Sergeant Slaughter and asking him for permission for it. Right. And I know Austin used that move, but he didn't ask Ted DiBiase, but Ted DiBiase was managing him. So I guess my question to you guys is, when and why? You know? What, think... what, what makes a move that you need? Why do you think you need to ask permission or want to ask permission? And what moves qualify and what moves don't? So go ahead, Freddie. I think it's who makes it famous. If they're on the upper echelon, top earners for X amount of time, like the stunner, like the figure four, like the sharpshooter, certain moves like that that are known to one specific guy, I would think that would deserve an ask. Like if someone's going to go try to use the rock bottom, or the people's elbow, you know, that would, that would warrant a conversation. Why? I would, I would say a respect aspect of it. But all the moves, hang on a second, one second, Jason. So, so playing my namesake, Sergeant Slaughter is not the only guy that ever used that hold. Right. The, stu- the stunner's been used by many other people. So why? Who do you? How do you decide who you pick? Why do you ask? Like you still really haven't answered the question for me. 
because it seems like it's arbitrary almost. So, Jason, what do you think? First, I think if we are talking about respect, we have to put respect on that move and refer to it by the proper name, the bookend. So, just putting <laughs> that out there. Um, which brings up a point, though. I don't think those two ever had a conversation about using that move because the rock bottom was the rock bottom way before he ever unleashed the bookend, as far as I know. I mean, he could have done it in his GX. Um, I think it has to do with the person using the move. I think it's a courtesy, and it's kind of like what they call that old that shopping cart test in the, the parking lot. Like, you don't have to do it. Nothing really happens if you don't do it, but... The shopping cart test? What's that yes. mean? If there's a shopping... Do you return your shopping cart to the corral? after you've unload, unloaded all the groceries into your car. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do it. You could leave it right there in the parking space. It's not mandatory. Somebody else will come get it if you don't. Nobody gets hurt. But they use it as a mark of respect. And so I think when you look at the people who famously asked, I mean, yeah, Kevin Owens, Randy Orton, that, that reached out to Diamond Dallas Page about um, I guess nobody asked John Laurinaitis about anything because nobody cared. Because <laughs> I mean, I don't think I don't think CM Punk asked Kenta if he could use the go. That's to sleep. a big point of contention. Right. See, but here's a, I you know what I think it comes down to. I think it's I think it's whether it's a finisher or not because people use the figure four all the time. But do you end the match with the figure four or are you in the middle of the match and you put on a figure four? So like, I think it's, if you're using it as a finisher, yeah, people, I, people think they need to ask permission. I think submissions are tough too, because there's just, but so many submission, holds. a submission hold is a submission hold. is a submission hold. I think Sergeant Slaughter and maybe more so his daughter's issue was that she's out there dressing like a Marine Sergeant calling calling it the Cobra Clutch. I feel like that was the issue more than anything. Do you think she should rename it? I don't know what she should do. She should should not be there, but that's besides the point. I think she should be back in NXT. That's what she should be. I mean, it it doesn't seem to have any any rhyme or reason, though. Because um, thinking about, uh, what's that, Bray Wyatt's move, how many people use that thing? I mean, Jay White, Jay White, White uses is, that. Yeah, they just call it something else and move on. Um, I mean, did I the think, Usos call the Dudleys and ask them to use 3D as a finisher? Probably. They did. They they did. did. There yeah, was a crack. I, I, I believe Bubba mentioned it on, was it Busted yeah. Open? Yeah. That they did call did. and have a conversation about it. Also, I mean, there's no way their pop lets them do that. But, I mean, them. did they have to? No. I don't think they had to. They felt it was the right thing to do, but there's no real rule. It's not a written so, rule. All right, so so let me put this scenario in your heads, then, and, and Freddie, you first. I call, mm-hmm. I'm going to use the Cobra Clutch as a finisher, and I call Sergeant Slaughter, and he tells me no. What do I do? What if it's central to my character? Like, I'm going to be... that's That move is my move. Like, I'm going to use it. And Sergeant Slaughter says, "No, I don't. You no, you don't. You don't. I don't want you using it." What do you do then? 
I mean, if, <laughs> if you stumped me, but I if stumped you guys, <laughs> if management gives you the okay, I guess. The I mean, I guess you. I guess check. you never mentioned Sergeant that you asked for for money. permission, then, right? Because I mean, it's kind of like if you ask your, your, you know, your for your your a man's daughter's hand in marriage, and he says no, do you marry her? Better, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> right? He kind of, you know, I mean, what do you do? Well, I asked your dad. He said no. Um, Sorry, like, need that's getting married. Gonna need that diamond back. Sorry, yes, that's it. <laughs> Well, you're supposed no, to do it first and then ask, not the other way around, Jason. Right. Right. Yes. That's a, that is an interesting question. I, and I'm sure it's happened, right? I That's have never heard that. We always hear about the yeses. We never hear about the noes. I, I wonder if at some point in that conversation, it becomes less of a question and more of a statement. Hey, I was thinking about using this move. I'm a really big fan of your work. And I just wanted to talk to you about it first. I don't think you should. Well, you know, I was telling you, I was thinking about using this. <laughs> I mean, I don't, you know, I, I can go through all the moves. I don't remember Kevin Nash asking to use the power bomb. And like, let's, let's face it. A lot of the, the moves created here in the States were stolen from guys in Japan. Very true. And there are YouTube videos that show this move used here and there and everywhere. And I don't, you know, CM Punk being the perfect example, he didn't ask Kenta to use Go to Sleep. He just started using it. And I don't understand and why there's a... That's exactly what he said. He's like, oh, this guy, this guy invented it. I just started using it. Right. And yeah. I don't see what move is out like, should, like to me, any move is an open move, in my opinion. You should be able to use whatever you want. And you shouldn't have to ask anybody. It's wrestling. You know, then we start talking. Let's talk about, you know, let's find the guy who created the arm drag. Let's find the guy that created the back body drop. You know what I mean? And and let's get, you know, let's start getting permission for all the moves. I just don't understand that. Well, okay. So here's what I think it might be. And I could be talking completely out of my ass here. You are. Let's just go back to territorial, <laughs> territory days. Well, yeah. I mean, like I wasn't there, so it's, clearly this is me. If yes. you would have stood up and if you would have stood up and grabbed your butt like uh, Ace Ventura, I might have died at that moment. <laughs> Just letting you know. Hey, if we ever switch to a video format for everybody and we start streaming on YouTube, they could. This is the content they could be getting. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, um, but I wonder: is this a territory thing? Because you knew. If you were going into a certain person's territory, okay, this is their money. This is their bread and butter. You can't just go around having a bunch of people using the same move in the same area. And so I'm wondering if it goes back to that old school thing and then it just sort of transferred to once we move to TV. Well, you know what? You know, you, you bring up an interesting point because you remember in the, the movie The Wrestler when they're all the guys are talking backstage. Mm -hmm. And the one guy is like, we're going to work the neck. And they're like, oh, you're going to work the neck? Well, we can't work the neck. Mm -hmm. So maybe maybe that's, maybe that's you're on to something. Did Raven it, it, ask Jake the Snake about the DDT? I don't, not that I know of. I don't think anybody's asked Jake about the DDT. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, by that time, it had almost been a, a transition move, I guess, so. I mean, it's a. It, it pains me to say this, but you might be. You might have a point. So, <laughs> yeah. it's almost like the super kick at this point, yeah. right? I mean, 
Nobody runs up to Shawn Michaels and says, you know, can I use the Savat kick? You know? God. His, call, his phone would never stop ringing. Well, that, that, that's, right. that was my point, is I don't understand where the line is. So I guess if you're using it as a finisher... I would think I guess, if you're going to use it as a finisher, that a guy used it as a finisher, then possibly... Right, because you've seen people use the stunner in the middle of a match. You've seen super kicks all over the place. You've seen power bombs not lead to pins. You've seen, you know, every move. To me, there are very few moves today that are considered finishers. Because you can see DDTs. Now you see DDTs from the top rope and guys aren't getting pinned, right? And you've seen super kicks get thrown around left and right and guys aren't getting pinned. Spears. Very few moves these days, like the uh, Kenny Kenny Omega's move, the go to sleep, are really like the only true to me, like the one of the few true finishers left. Because now you get guys kicking out of them. You got fifty people doing frog splashes at any point in the match, from the opening to the end. Yeah, and like two of them can get a pinfall. Now. I always wonder why so many. I mean. People have kicked out of Brock Lesnar's uh, F5, and you, I always thought that was like the cool, one of the cooler-looking finishing moves. And once that goes up, you shouldn't get up, and yet guys bounce up from that all the time. So, all right, I was just curious because th- that question. whole start and sort thing was starting to bug me because he's like, you know, I don't like the way she looks, and I don't like she's using my move, and I'm like, dude, it's not your move. And I can name four or five other guys that used it too, and you didn't. I didn't hear you crying when they were using it. Do you think he's just trying to? Get his name out there again. I think he was trying to get associated with her because he said that they offered him a spot to like manage her and they weren't offering him any real money, so he wouldn't do it. So I think he's bitter. That would that would, that would get him back in the spotlight for a little while. Right. But you know, it's like I don't know. You know, it just never made any sense to me. Well, when you know, where are the rules? When do I have to ask? When do I not have to ask? Because every move is a copy of another move, right? Every body slam, every flying body press, every DDT, somebody else did it first. So why aren't you running around getting permission from everybody? I'll ask you, Freddie, if you know about this. Did Damian Priest ever have a conversation with Scott Hall about the Razor's Edge? Hell, did Sheamus ever have a conversation with Scott Hall about the Razor's Edge? I believe uh, Priest, I don't know if he had a conversation or it was like a like an honor type deal. So yeah, I believe the honor type deal, whatever on that, but Sergeant Slaughter, I guess we'll see what the weeks will tell as to how much more petty he might be about this. But I think with that being said, Storm's going on. He's just jealous that she looks better in a a bikini than he does, so. Right. (laughs) He just... He just can't pull it off. He can't pull that camera off. <laughs> He's got to wear a one-piece now. Right. Seven-piece. <laughs> right. Oh, man. So, with that being said, um, next week, SummerSlam Fest series extravaganza will continue with the Devil's Advocate. And two weeks... We should get the encyclopedia back from his where in the world is 
the encyclopedia strip and the Esports Frenzy Pod on Twitter, the Esports Frenzy Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. We thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Peace.